0: Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right, we are Wagering Week. We have. A lot of good news today. That's right. We're going to get into it. You guys can listen to us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, Facebook and Twitter, all the social media. It's SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N. And we are starting off. No, we're not starting off with Corona news. We are starting off with very good news. And that is in Major League Baseball. You know, Major League Baseball, guys. Isn't Major League Baseball kind of like uh, during this coronavirus, I guess? Is it kind of like the ex that that just kind of keeps bothering you? You're the girlfriend that you're like, ah, oh, look, I'm done with her. Up, oh, nope, I'm back. Oh, I'm done. I'm done. I've had enough. I've had enough. I've, I'm done. And then she comes back and you go, all right, oh, I'm welcome back. Because that's how I was. I'm like, look, I was so annoyed at the Players Association for the Early part of this. Then I just couldn't even stand the owners. I was so angry, but I kept saying, Look, I know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm a realist with myself. I knew that when Major League Baseball came back, I would be excited. And it has been announced there will be a Major League Baseball season. There's going to be 60 games. And I'm ecstatic. I'm pumped up. The minute I heard this news, I started to break down what teams, what players get familiarized myself again with uh, every stat that I can. I jumped onto all of my fantasy leagues. I said, all right, guys, you know, are we doing this? We're getting this done. By the way, a little note about fantasy leagues. I know a lot of you guys are canceling. Here's my opinion on fantasy leagues. If you're in a a season-long Roto League... Just just play it out. Enjoy it. Play it out. Maybe for half the money that you guys do or whatnot. If you're a head-to-head, and this seems to be the biggest problem, is that if you're in a head-to-head league, people are canceling the leagues because well, I mean it's a little bit hard with 60 games to go head-to-head. Maybe go you know against everybody in your league, you know maybe once, not even. Why don't you just make it roto for a year, right? Make a rotisserie for a year. So anyway, I was absolutely excited, and we have 60 games. It's not the half a season that we want. I get that. It is going to be very unique, very different. And we're going to go over that, what the rule changes are, how this impacts certain teams from a betting angle. I'm going to give you everything that we can in the next hour to prepare you for the shortened season. But understand this, and this is something you have got to understand in all aspects of sports when we're talking about sports betting. If there are times... Where there is confusion, mass confusion. Well, the sports books also have a hard time with it. It's not just you that's saying, "Well, I don't really know how to tackle this 60 game season." Well, sports books, sports books, algorithms, people in the sports book, sports book directors, they're all struggling with the same things that you are. This is not, you know, a blackjack table where there are percentages. This is you against them. And I look at a 60-game season from a business standpoint as an advantage to me. Because the public is not going to adjust quick enough. And you're talking about in Major League Baseball, the adjustment period is always so long. And this is why I say all the time how much money you can make in Major League Baseball. I've made a small fortune, (laughs) okay, betting on Major League Baseball over my career. Because it takes long for the adjustment to come from the public. And I don't want to talk about the sports books. It's from the public. A guy wins. Think about it. Guy wins, comes out of nowhere, wins four, five, six games in a row. There's still a large majority of the people that they don't really catch on until four, five, six games in a row. Well, you've won four, five, six games. Okay. You can't do that in football. It's actually rare to do in, in even basketball to not watch the adjustment not come. In baseball, it takes some time. I tell the famous story About the year that I had uh, Zach Granke and then Ubaldo Jimenez, and Granke was basically an underdog or a very small favorite for nine of his 10 starts to start the year. And he won them all. I mean, the guy was on fire. And the same thing with Ubaldo Jimenez. Now, Jimenez got up there, I think about uh, start eight or nine, he started to get a little increase, but you could have cleaned up because it took a long time. So you have to keep that in mind when we're talking about the effects on betters for a 60-game season. We also have to discuss, for a 60-game season, we also have to really have a a serious conversation about what teams are benefited. Who are the teams that are benefited? Now, we'll go over some some odds and whatnot, but obviously teams like the New York Yankees that also added Garrett Cole are going to be benefited. If you have an ace of the staff, you're going to be benefited here. I would be I'd be shocked if anybody even really has a five man rotation. I think a lot of teams are gonna to go to a, a real four man rotation. But no matter what you're talking about, you can't sit around and wait for a third or fourth starter to develop. Right. A lot of teams, they take the first couple of months of the season. They let it be sort of an open competition. They give the fifth starter to the veteran, but they fully expect the rookie to come on board. Okay, all of that is impactful for how we're going to approach the season. You start to talk about what teams benefit. I think teams with deep bullpens benefit. But I think that that every year teams with deep bullpens benefit this year. I'll say deep is good. Back end is better. Back end is better. In a 60-game season, let's just say the best teams are going to win, you know, 40 games or so. You can't blow two, three saves. So while a deep bullpen is always needed, and I want to preface this by saying, look, a deep bullpen is good. I like the back end. If you have a solid 8-9, guy coming in the 8th, guy closing the door in the ninth and you could feel really secure about that, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think you're really looking at a team that has a distinct advantage. So that's something to keep in mind. You don't have time to work through the process. You don't have time this year to figure out a closer. You know, the teams that aren't sure about closers, the teams that are out there going, I, I don't know who's going to you know, finish the game at the end. We'll figure it out. No, you won't figure it out. How are you gonna figure it out? If you're only winning 40 games, right, 40 and 20 is gonna be a good record, right? You're only winning 40 games. Um, how many of those games are gonna be save opportunities? Let's say you get 25, 26, 27 save opportunities. How many games are you gonna give him to try to prove himself? Seven, eight, nine, ten? That's that almost, you know, one-third of your wins. So again, give me a good solid back-end closer. And remember, there's also the idea of we can't wait for these closers to kind of get into the flow. Kenley Jansen and the Dodgers. Kenley Jansen's miles per hour has dipped every single year over the last three years. Now, Kenley Jansen has basically said he gets tired at the end of the year. We can see it. He does have uh, the heart problems or the blood problems. We get that, okay? But you can't see and wait. Well, maybe Kenley's fastball is back. We don't know about that. We're not going to know. So, the Dodgers are a team that everyone's on top of. I think they're going to be a very good team for a lot of other reasons. But the Kenley factor worries me a little bit. What about Craig Kimbrell? Craig Kimbrell signed a brand new contract with the Cubs. He kind of hit a wall. You, you want to look at Craig Kimball and say, I'm not sure if he's going to be back 100%. I mean, is, is he a guy? Are we going to know that he's back? How long do you give him? You gave a big, huge contract to a brand new closer. You got to give him some time. But if he goes out there and he blows three of his first 10 saves, three of the first 10 saves, that could ruin your season, especially in that wide open division. So we have to take that into account. So there are teams that are going to benefit. And I I did want to talk about the bullpens. The other thing that I think uh, we really, really have to start looking at in Major League Baseball is the managers. The managers never, ever, ever get recognition in Major League Baseball, and, and, and I understand why. Look, I always say football is clearly the manager is the the most important factor. When you're talking about the least impact, important factor, I think basketball is the least important factor as far as a head coach. Uh, hockey is right there, in Major League Baseball, a good major league baseball manager over the course of a full season uh, is going to win you five to ten games or lose you five to ten games. So now you're going through a one third of the season, they're only going to lose you, you know, two or three games. The big, really, I guess, the big reason why managers are good or bad these days is because of how you manage the bullpen. Well, you're not going to have to manage it with kid gloves anymore, but you are going to have to do things where you're going to have to find rest for guys over 60-game season. I don't think a lot of these guys are, are, are going to go with the full 60 games. You're going to want to give a rest here and there. You're going to have to be cautious. You're going to have to keep people under control if somebody gets coronavirus uh, in their family, maybe. or they, You're going to need managers like Joe Torre, who I never believed was a good in-game manager. I believe he handled the clubhouse and personalities very, very well. So look at that as a factor as well. I think that you're going to need that force that guy, that stabilizing man in the, in the clubhouse to kind of calm everybody down. So I'm going to look at that. But the big factor for me, the number one thing that I really believe that we have to talk about when you're looking at teams is very simply the rotations. I want a one, two, three teams like the Rays that can throw out morton and snell one two the mets who have a good one two three the Nats and what they did last year with their one two three you can do that because these guys are only throwing like we've talked about maybe you know you got 60 games where are they going to throw 10 12 games tops tops 12 game season their arms are going to be fresh they don't have to baby them anymore you might leave Max Scherzer out there who Max Scherzer gets up to you know, 100 pitches without a problem. You might leave him out there for 120, 125, and not worry about it. You, you may do that. So teams like the Rays, the Mets, and the Nats— they become exciting teams. They become dangerous, dangerous teams. I think that, to me, is the most important factor. Dominant aces are that much more valuable. During a 162-game season, your number one ace only pitches 33 games. Right? So do the numbers. But during a 60-game season, he may pitch, like I said, 10 to 12 of those games. And now you're going into the playoffs. We know how important dominant aces are in the playoffs as it is. So that's interesting. Let me go back to the manager. I think a guy like Craig Council makes sense. The Brewers are always interesting, and they always streak late into September. They also have a very good bullpen. That's something to think about. How about, this is more, I guess, to fantasy, but, you know, look, it also helps uh, teams that have really good catchers. Catchers are more valuable this year. The average catcher is taking at least one day off a week, some of them two especially if they're getting older. Buster, Buster Posey's a guy that, well, maybe you make him DH one day. Uh, maybe you sit him down one day, uh, maybe two days this week. Catchers might not need that much rest. Now, I still expect them to sit down here and there. But, again, you have a 60-game season. They're going to play in 50 of those 60 games. And that, that's giving them 10 days rest over 60, days, uh, over 60 games. That's a lot of rest. So they're going to play 50 games. Catchers are more valuable. Which also brings us to the idea that an injury could destroy a season. An injury could absolutely destroy a season. 10-day DL stint is one-sixth of your season gone right there. And a lot of these guys are not 10-day DLs. You know, they, they kind of come out a day before time. Oh, they linger afterwards. A DL stints could be absolutely just terrorizing for a team. It could be awful. Absolutely awful. So you look at that, and that's another factor. Let's get into more betting ideas, okay? Uh, the overreaction to the DH because uh, of all of th- what that brings. I think there's a, there's a clear overreaction, a clear overreaction. I have already seen people talking about the over-unders being increased. There's somebody out there that, that said, well, our over-under is basically going to be nines. You really can't find six-and-a-halves anymore. Sevens are very rare. Seven-and-a-half with two aces on the mound. Sure, eight-and-a-half. Yeah, could I see getting to nine? Sure. But we also have to take into account uh, the extra-inning idea. And the extra-inning idea, for those that don't know, there's going to be a runner that is placed on second base after the 10th inning. So there is very little chance for multiple-run extra innings. Very little chance of it. Now, you could get it. You could get, you know, this guy scores in the the top, and then they go back. But it's going to be very rare. And the idea is to kind of cut out those extra innings. That helps the unders. You know, you have under, well, let's say you have under the nine. It's a 4-3 game going into extra innings. You're You're feeling really secure. Really secure. Now, in the past... Now, look, the the opposing team scores, ties the game at four. Now now the best you could hope for is a push. It's kind of the same thing, but not exactly where you could get multiple, you know, multiple innings. You're going to need a home run. You're going to need a two-run homer or a three-run homer to get those runs across. That is something that I think people aren't taking into account because all I keep hearing is, is the overreaction to the DH being put in there. That's all I keep hearing. And I understand the extra. Look, I don't like the extra inning idea. I think it's awful. I think it takes away a lot of things that Major League Baseball is, and it takes a lot of things away that Major League Baseball does well. But I understand it. The players don't want marathon games because how it's going to affect their body. Their body is over a 60-game span. It's a truncated season. They don't want extra inning games. The teams don't want them because they will really destroy a bullpen. I mean, sometimes bullpens won't recover for days if not a week. Because of how you go into a 15, 16, 17 inning game, that is a problem. Management, well, you know, they don't really want it. And, and then you got to ask, do fans do? I want it. I like it. I like extra inning games. But a lot of fans don't. Because, look, you know what? I got to go home. My kids got to get to sleep. I'm at the game. Now that there's no fans there, I can deal with it for right now. For right now, I could deal with it. But I don't want this to be a, a full-time thing. I have always said, you know, kind of if you want to want to avoid long games, just win the game earlier. (laughs) Okay, so that's how I feel about extra ending games. But don't think that we can't sit back and have a conversation about that and something that we really have to do. Oh, by the way, let's go back to a little fantasy here and scoring ideas, which also will help in prop plays. If you have run scored and RBIs and things like that. Because this is a rule that I haven't really heard anybody talking about, but it's a rule that absolutely impacts statistics, numbers, and your mindset if you're playing a, a, especially a daily fantasy league. In extra innings, the player in the order preceding that frame's leadoff hitter will start on second base. So that's the guy that's going on to second base. So for stats, that runner will now have reached on an error. That's how it's looking. The the runner is going to reach an error, but the error isn't charged to a player. The error isn't put in the box score. He's kind of just there, okay? So, no big deal. What that means, though, guys, which is a very, very interesting point when you're talking about relief pitchers, if that runner scores, it will not be counted against their ERA because it's an unearned run. But... When that runner scores, he's going to get a run scored. So, kind of to to relapse and go back to it, relief pitchers are smiling ear to ear. If you're a relief pitcher, you give up that guy that's standing on second base and that runner that kind of is just out there, your ERA doesn't go up. Watch for very, very minuscule ERAs. And I'll tell you, in a position like this with a closer, you bring a closer in to get that one out. You're gonna see that a lot. Tenth inning, bring the closer in to try to kind of get that that last guy out. Uh he you gotta get a strikeout. Bring in the big K guy. If he scores, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt you. I think this is the the, the absolute best thing that a relief pitcher could hear. But as far as the box score goes, that runner gets a run. Now, it's going to be very hard to kind of determine how you're going to figure out the runner, even in these, these roto leagues or these head-to-heads or whatever you're going to be playing. That's hard. But remember when we talked about weeks ago? And I said we could see a Cy Young winner be a closer. It makes a lot of sense now. It makes a lot more sense with this new rule change because the ERA is going to be low. Are you going to vote for? Who are you going to vote for for the Cy Young? Garrett Cole, who wins six of his ten games and has a a, you know, a 2.7 ERA, or are you going to vote for a Roldish Chapman who saves 18 games and, and has a 1.3 ERA? Are yeah, you going to vote for Chapman because he's more important? So it's something to keep in mind. We're going to take a quick timeout. I want to talk about the most brutal schedules. I have some home run leaders, and of course, I will talk about the odds to win it all. All that and more right after this on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right. What are the odds? What are the odds? All right, guys we're talking about a little bit of major league baseball and we have what are the odds this is a fun one coming out from the sportsbook usa will any player hit at least 400 during the major league baseball season you gotta have a minimum of 186 plate appearances uh yes is plus 800 no minus 1400 no one's hitting 400 guys (laughs) i'm not laying the 1400 but no one's hitting 400 to give you a little context the players that have come closest to hitting under 400 uh tony Gwynn in 1994 hit 394 george brett 1980 hit 390 rod carew 1977 hit 388 as did ted williams in 1957 hit 388 larry walker hit 379 in 1999, it's damn usual 1948 Cardinals 376 and Ichiro 372 in 2004. Now let's talk about George Brett. Because now we have 60 games and people go, "Oh yeah, you could do that in 60 games." Let's talk about George Brett. You put him aside, okay? George Brett really made the run that everybody watched. He had he had the run deep. Deep into this on September nineteenth, nineteen eighty, George Brett went two for four in a thirteen to three win over the A's, and he put his average at three nine nine five zero. Okay, it's not technically four hundred, but he basically was. Next day, he went zero for four, falling to three ninety six. Okay, you can see how drastically you take that shot. Tony went in nineteen ninety four. Right, Tony Gwynn took this. Uh, remember, 1994 was the shortened year, but he took his play on May all the way to May 15th. and he spent most of June, July, and August hovering about 380, 390, and then the strike came on August 12th and wiped out the rest of his season. But he wasn't over. Oh, you know, look, it wasn't over 400. It wasn't like he was staying over 400. Ended on May 15th. That's not deep into the season. If you're saying 60 games, you know. April, May, right? Barely went two months. You talk about um, the one really good indicator here, because we just said, and I said this when we were talking about betting, 186 games is the threshold as far as the betting community. Bob Hurricane Hazel, yeah, that guy, hit 403 with the 1957 Milwaukee Braves, but he only had 155 plate appearances. So, he did not qualify, but he was the last guy to really hit 400. Uh, 155 wouldn't even qualify him here. So, you can see how it absolutely ridiculous. By the way, Hazel hit 211 the next year. <laughs> and that was out of baseball. Crazy. But you can see how ridiculous the idea is that somebody might hit 400. The strikeouts are up in Major League Baseball across the board. Okay, we don't really have pure contact hitters any longer. We just don't. Uh, there was a strand here where, where 350 plus batting average, it just didn't, didn't even happen. Okay, there, there's rarely any of those. Uh, you know, you go back to D Gordon carried a, a batting average of 400 just a, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. And that ended on May 19th. So to get to June is tough. To get to June is tough, and that's kind of where the 60 days we sort of would need uh, would be in an overall baseball. You get all of April, all of Maine, then to get to June. Minus 1,400, starting to seem like a bargain when you talk about it like that, and that is what are the odds. All right, let's talk about a, a few more things here before we go into uh, the overall face of this. I want to get into a conversation about something that is starting to happen in the NBA, I'm seeing the backlash of it happening in the NBA, and I'm imploring people to calm down. Guys like Avery Bradley have decided, I'm not going to play. I'm not coming to you know, the Olympic Village is what I keep calling it, right? I'm not coming to Orlando. I'm not going to play the season. Not because I don't want to play, but because I have whatever reasons that I do have. I'm not going into his reasons. It doesn't matter. He's got reasons where he is afraid of the coronavirus. He is afraid of the situation that is corona. Uh, he might be at high risk. People that he lives with might be at high risk. And that's something that he's gotten some negative backlash because baseball players now have the option. Now, NBA, they said, yeah, anybody that doesn't want to play, you don't have to play for whatever reason, and you will not be punished, okay? They basically said, gave them carte blanche. Major League Baseball said, you have to be at high risk or have a reason of high risk. Well, I think having a newborn baby is probably at high risk. Mike Trout, Garrett Cole, and Bryce Harper are all expecting children. All expecting children, relatively soon. Camp's open on July 1st, guys. Season starts July 24th or so. You look at this and you go, these guys are huge. I don't think they're leaving that money on the table. I don't think so. But they're big names. I expect to see some baseball players deciding to to not continue. I fully expect to see some baseball players saying, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to play this year. And I just want to make sure that we all understand everyone's got reasons. Whether you agree with the coronavirus, whether you agree with the masks, whether you agree with the protocol, that's not the discussion. The discussion is this should be left up to them personally. And let's not jump on them. To further that point, the Rockies had three players test positive for COVID. Philip Deal, Ryan Castatelli. Okay, neither one of them probably are making the team. How about Charlie Blackman? Oh, yeah, that's a big name. That's a big name. So now Charlie Blackman has corona. This is going to be something to watch over and over and over again. We have to watch the impact. We have to watch who's pulling out. We have to watch who is in danger. And a guy like Charlie Blackman getting it now... Sure, he he's, he's young, he's healthy, he should recover perfectly fine. Okay, should recover perfectly fine. But guys, listen, you know, they're saying this knocks you you know, on your you know what for some time. Charlie Blackman no doubt will miss the beginning of camp. Oh, I don't know the extent of his uh, we'll, we'll call it symptoms, right? He may be asymptomatic. He may be ready to go in first week of July, ready to but he may not. And a guy that is playing Major League Baseball with a lung capacity hurt. Maybe Charlie Blackman's a little limited. These are the stories that we have to watch and we have to pay attention to. All right, now let's get into actual gameplay. I was thinking about this and kind of breaking it all down and talking about uh, who's got the toughest— toughest road here. What we're going to do is they're going to do divisions and they're going to uh stay kind of within each other. Middle of the country, left of the country, right of the country kind of, you know, east coast, west coast, central. That that's kind of how it's going to be done. Well, if you are on the east coast, ouch. <laughs> I mean, literally ouch. The NL East and the AL East are going to play those uh, kind of that east coast Frame here, so Yankees or or Yankees. We'll we'll use the Yankees as an example since I used Cole and Chapman, and uh, I am a Yankee fan. Well, we use the Yankees here as an example because this is what I was doing. I was looking at the Yankee schedule. I'm like, man, this is brutal. Whoa! And let's get into why. First of all, the Yankees play in the AL East, which uh, just to start the day is a brutal conversation to have. Okay, the Yankees have to face the Red Sox, the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Orioles. OK, the Red Sox, I know they've taken some dings and, and they don't look as good. Still a formidable team. Rays, I think the Rays are, are a World Series contender, to be honest with you. The Blue Jays, young, up and coming guys, Guerrero, Bichette, uh, you know, Biggio, all of that. The Orioles. All right, Orioles are garbage. But <laughs> the Yankees have to face that already. That's tough. OK, then they have to face World Series champion nationals. The Braves, with all their talent, and the Braves who who consistently win that division. The Phillies, who before last year was everyone's darling to go to the World Series. The Mets, who I already mentioned earlier in the show, are massively dangerous. And then the Marlins, who are, are pretty much garbage. Everyone in the East has to play that schedule. As opposed to the Central, where you have teams like the Pirates, the Tigers, uh, you know, you have the Royals. The, the Central is, I don't want to say a joke, but the Central is not an intimidating conference. We'll call them conferences at this point. It's just not. I mean, the Twins, I think the Twins get hurt here because they don't have a frontline starter. They're a good team. But the Twins, Cleveland, anybody putting fear into you? There. How about, you know, the Cubs? Eh, They're a good team. They got some holes. They got some problems. The Cardinals, they got some holes. They got some problems. The Brewers, they're a good team, but they don't have the front line pitching. The Reds, everyone's on top of the Reds, but I was looking at them as being, uh, you know, maybe a wild card team, and I was high on them. Central is, is kind of a joke when you compare it to the East. Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, Nats, Braves, Phillies, Mets. So think about what you're talking about when you're talking about maybe best record, how many wins, remember that. How about the West? Well, the West is very top-heavy. You know, we could all potentially see a World Series. Oh, God forbid. But we could all potentially see a World Series where it's the Astros and the Dodgers, right? Sure. But in that West, and I do like teams like the Angels, in that West, you still have teams like Seattle, teams like the rangers that are, i mean maybe they're maybe they fight for 500 you have the padres who's got some talent but they just can't seem to get over the hump the rockies who don't have the pitching to do year after year they consistently don't have it then san francisco giants who might be the worst team in baseball so you start to look at the makeup and i think it's very very clear the east Easily, easily the toughest schedule of the three, and I'm calling them conferences at this point, of the three conferences, the East is easily the toughest schedule. I would then go with the West slightly over the Central, but uh, I can argue either way on that. But I think that there is a massive drop-off here. One of the things that I will say about the East is uh, when you're talking about travel, they will have the least amount of travel Which is, uh, I mean, probably a good thing here. It's a 60-game season. I'm not sure how much we should be worried about travel. So that's how I'm looking at what we're kind of going into with this season when you're talking about betting angles, okay? And the betting angles, we have got to pay attention to the betting angles. We have to pay attention to them. It's a different season. It's a different approach. It is not just chalk this team up. You know, there are seasons where you just kind of chalk up, like oh, the St. Louis Cardinals, oh, they got a great organization, they're going to find something. You got to look behind it. I'm looking at the Cardinals and I'm saying, wait a, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't the Cardinals lose their closer and he was supposed to be back in like June and we're talking about Jordan Hicks, a guy that throws 103 miles per hour? Oh yeah, that's right. He might be back. So don't forget about things like that. There's so many intricacies that we will talk about on this show. And I'm gonna give you these little nuggets to make sure that you are thinking about it and, and making sure that you put that into an equation. You've got to do it. Whether you're betting online, whether you're going down to Jersey, or whether you're going to Las Vegas, you've got to make sure that you have the insight here. Speaking of the casinos, oh, by the way, this is according to our friend on the show, David Dantes, uh, just announced Atlantic City casinos can reopen July second at twenty five percent capacity. That is according to Governor Murphy. Okay, so Atlantic City is going to get up, up back and rolling. They are saying July second at twenty five percent capacity, which which is fine. Look, if you see the capacity of a casino, even on if you go into a non football Sunday and and a non weekend. They're probably at 50% during the week anyway. So 25%. I know that stings a little bit, but at least they can reopen and things could start. MGM National Harbor, they're gonna reopen on June 29th. The Borgata has decided to not open until June 6th. I'm sorry, July 6th. Why? Why are they missing July 4th weekend? This is an interesting question. And it got into the sports betting angle, and it got into the betting angle of maybe they're doing a soft opening with just whales to attract them. But Borgata not opening and missing July 4th weekend is a really, really interesting take here. Now, this was the good news coming out of Atlantic City. I wanted to mention the good news. But there is bad news because Las Vegas has seen a massive spike. Las Vegas casinos have all of a sudden seen a spike in all kinds of corona problems. There is talk that maybe they're going to have to shut down. Now, you guys know that I I love Key West. Okay, I love to go there. and, And I've been every, you know, all the reports was... They were fine. They were up and they were running. They had almost no cases. They opened. Everything was great. They opened for about 10 days or, or so. And then they started to shut down. A place like Sloppy Joe's, the Hemingway Bar, uh, yeah, they, they never even opened. Now places like Irish cabins places like Willie T's, they shut down. big Big-time places because one staff member gets it. Now you really kind of have to close because you have to quarantine them. Well, now think about that in the casino environment. So Las Vegas is in a dangerous, dangerous position right here. They're seeing a spike in cases. They're seeing a spike in the number of cases in the city itself. A lot on the workers. And you are starting to hear a lot of complaints that are valid complaints. Not, I don't want to wear a mask because it doesn't look good. Okay. No, you're starting to hear a lot of valid complaints. Uh, I heard a report that somebody passed out on the casino floor because they couldn't breathe in their mask. No, some people do have that problem. Uh, But the casinos are making sure that you pretty much, uh, listen, you walk in these doors, you got to have that that mask on. They're doing their best. So we are still in an evolving situation with the pandemic. Now, I told you I was going to talk about all baseball, and I am. I'm going to come back uh, and talk about baseball in a moment. But since I I did want to give you the casino update, I will update this from the NFL that is relating to coronavirus. Adam Scheffler is reporting. That the Pro Football Hall of Fame preseason opener is canceled. Yeah, they're not going to play that first preseason game now. From a betting standpoint, look, nobody should be betting preseason games, uh, especially week one. All right, uh, you know, you you could if you have an angle, sure, go with it. Uh, I'm not somebody that advocates for betting preseason games, especially without mini camp and things like that. The veterans are expected to report to camp just a week before the Hall of Fame games. That's supposed to be on August 6th, but they've already canceled that. This is something—oh, by the way, they're also canceling all the ceremonies for the Hall of Fame game. That's more distressing to me than the game itself, but this is a problem. You know, the Steelers and Cowboys were supposed to play. They are canceling that. This is also in light of, oh, by the way— 20 plus players from LSU tested positive. 28 players from Clemson tested positive. We're in a position where I am talking about baseball and I'm excited that baseball is coming back, but I still think that there's a lot of hurdles to jump over over the next three or four weeks. I really do. If you're starting to hear whispers about the NFL canceling things, college football being in a Tough spot. If you're starting to see and hear those problems and those issues and those kind of uh oh's, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm not telling you that it's going to be a hundred percent football season right now. And I have felt all along that we are, I guess, ninety something percent football. I- I'm still there, but I- I'm I'm getting a little nervous. I'm getting a little nervous about football. We are back. We're talking good stuff today. We're talking about baseball and the angles of baseball. And I think, hey, this is great stuff. Baseball's coming back. Hockey's got a date. Baseball will be back first, by the way. They'll have about a week by themselves. Then hockey's got a date. there in late July. Then the NBA's coming back. And then we do have football on the horizon. But where we stand right now, right now where we stand... It's good to feel that Major League Baseball is coming back. That's fantastic. It's great to feel that the NHL and NBA have been set for a while to come back, and they're kind of just ironing out the last little wrinkles to make sure that they come back. Well, that's great, too. But let's not overlook the idea that this isn't done. We have seen spikes in Florida, spikes in Texas. Uh, You are seeing spikes in Las Vegas. And it's impacting the sports betting industry. And it it may impact overall. It very well may impact the sports industry. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping that everything is going to be status quo. But it absolutely may impact that. All right, guys. We will get back to baseball. And I have a lot of good stuff coming up on the horizon. So let's bet. To the future we're sending you back to the future okay all right bet, bet to, the, to future. the future all right guys let's bet to the future and i have the odds to win the 2020 world series and the changes in those odds look there's a lot of money coming in as soon as it was announced uh DraftKings has said that 49 percent of all of their futures bets to win the world series have come in on who else? The New York Yankees. So we will see some line moves here. The South Point put out their change in odds since the end of the season to where it is now. The Houston Astros at the end of the year last year, they were 5-1. to one. They're now 12-1. The Dodgers went from 6-1 to 7-2. To to the Yankees 6-1 down to 3-1. To and I've seen places where the Yankees are now 2-1. to one. The Atlanta Braves Ten to one to twenty one. Red Sox twelve to one to forty to one. Nationals twelve to one to twenty to one. They lost them. I, mean, I think the Nationals. Uh, we'll get into who I like. Indians are thirty to one. Cardinals are thirty to one. Phillies forty to one. The Mets are eighteen to one. Cubs eighteen to one. Brewers thirty-five to one. Tampa Bay twenty to one. Minnesota twelve to one. A's are eighteen to one. d backs sixty to one. Reds twenty to one. Padres thirty to one. White Sox twenty to one. Blue Jays two hundred to one. Rockies one fifty. Giants hundred. Angels 15 to 1, Rangers 100 to 1, Pirates 150, Mariners 200, Marlins 250, Orioles, Tigers are 500 to 1, and the Royals are 300 to 1. You know, you see a lot of these these line moves. And before the year began, before they got Garrett Cole, when the year ended, I went and I took the Yankees at 6 to 1 odds. And I felt good about it at the time, and I feel great about it now. I still believe that there is some value to be had with some other teams, though especially with the new rules, especially with the truncated season, especially with all that's going on. I see a lot of buying ability, so let's talk about why. Throw away teams like the Royals, Tigers, Orioles, even in a shortened season. Look, it is still a pretty good season, okay? It's still a chunk. It's more than a third. I'm not telling you that, you know, this is a real season. I don't know if there's an asterisk next to it. By the way, I don't care. As... As a Yankee fan, I still want to win, even if there's an asterisk there. Uh, okay, I don't care about that, but I understand that it's not a real quote-unquote season. So we're throwing away Royals, Tigers, Orioles. Anyone can get hot in 60 games. I get it. Nah, no, nah, no, nah, not happening. Royals, Tigers, Orioles, Marlins, Mariners, Pirates. I'm throwing all of them away. Rangers. I'm throwing away. I don't see it because even if you even if they have a crazy run. Oh my goodness. They they went crazy and they actually, you know, won the division. They, they, they don't have the pitching to go into the playoffs. You still gotta have the playoffs, guys. Still have to have playoffs. And that's huge. You still have got to play those games. Don't just think that this is a regular season award. Any team can get hot, sure, but they still have to go to the playoffs. All right. What about the Angels? I was hot on the Angels and they're at fifteen to one. Look, they were forty to one, and I thought, wow, that there's a great buying opportunity. A great buying opportunity. Now, I know they do not, and they do not have the starting pitching. They have a really good bullpen. I like Butcher. I like what they're doing with Robles. They have a really good bullpen. They have tremendous hitting. Oh, by the way, I know a lot of you guys have forgotten things that happened. Anthony Rendon is on that team now. Anthony Rendon is hitting behind Mike Trout. or in front of Mike Trout. I mean, that's spectacular. So their hitting is fantastic. Uh, they have a very good coach, which we look for. Checks a lot of boxes. The bullpen is really good, 8-9. Yeah, checks a lot of boxes. They didn't have that front-line starter. But, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. One of the teams that would be helped out a lot with this truncated season is the fact that Shohei Ohtani should be the starting pitcher. When Shohei Ohtani is on, he is a true number one. I'm going to stop and pause and stop short of calling him an ace. But he is a true number one starter 15 to 1 odds. Oh, I like them at 40 to 1. 15 to 1 might be a little too light for me, but I like them. I'm going to put them on a list of of a team that, eh, look, if everything goes right, I think we have to start looking at the Angels at 15 to 1. How about the Giants? No, I told you about that. Rockies don't have the pitching. Blue Jays at 200 to 1. I mean, all that young talent's great, but they just don't have the starter to do it. Everyone seemed to be on the White Sox this year. I, call me the the guy that just didn't see it. I still don't see it. I don't see it at twenty to one. I didn't see it at sixty to one. I think the White Sox will be good. And I was interviewed for the Chicago Sun Times. And I was interviewed before the whole pandemic. and And the question that I got asked was about the White Sox and the Cubs. And I went into a long conversation. And they said, "Well, who do you see?" Of the two having a better year, I said, I think they both going to have a very similar year. And there was a prop bet out there. And I said, well, you know, there is a prop bet plus 350 if both make the playoffs. I said, what are the odds on neither making the playoffs? Because that's where I feel that you might have a better shot that neither make the playoffs than that both that make the playoffs. So I'm not a big White Sox guy. Uh, I think that the, the break hurts the younger teams. And I've said that all along. And they are a very young team. Padres 30 to 1. Look, Chris Paddock is going to be an ace. I don't know if he is there yet. I'm not sure if this team has gelled yet. They do have a lot to like, though. And if they could tap into that potential, oh, boy, watch out. Because Manny Machado has still got oozing talent. Tatis is fantastic. That's a great... Look at the one-two punch that they have. You have professionals around that team. You have a bullpen that is really, really good. Really good bullpen. I just wonder if... If they're ready to take that step, I think the Padres are a dangerous team, but at 30 to one odds, it's just not enough to tempt me at the 50 to one that they opened up at, I liked it. The Reds, they went from 51 to, to 20 to one. They were a team that before the year began, I said, man, everyone's on the Reds. I like them, but I think people are getting crazy. Last year, I picked the Reds to actually do their thing and, and jump up. The Reds are good. Reds have the pitching; they're a dangerous team, but at twenty to one odds, I'm laying off the D-backs at sixty to one. D-backs are interesting at sixty to one because you got Madison Bumgarner there, uh, who could really step up and just be that ace. I mean, the D-backs for a flyer? Can you take the D-backs as an absolute flyer at sixty to one? I don't know. I I I think that it. You've had worse bets, worse long shot bets. But I don't love him. The A's at 18-1, to 1, the A's can't win in the playoffs. The A's can't compete with with a guy with a, a straight-up ace. And I know Sean Mane is good. Uh, I just don't think that he's going to recover right away in time. They're still a young team. I didn't see the Chris Davis that we've seen in the past. And I don't think Marcus Simeon has the same year. So I'm going to pass on that. Minnesota Twins, I mentioned it. Look, over a course of 162-game season, the Twins are a dangerous team. Twins are a very dangerous team. They're a team to watch. They're a team that was scaring me. I think I had them uh, winning that division. But in a truncated season, they lose a lot because while they do have a great closer in Rodgers, I don't love the fact that they don't have an established eighth inning guy. I don't love the fact that their rotation has potential but hasn't really lived up to it. They have a lot of talent on the rotation. I don't know if Berrios is ready to go head-to-head with Garrett Cole in the playoffs, though. Right. I mean, I don't know about that. So at 12 to one, I'm going to lay off Tampa Bay at 20 to one from last year when I said I took Tampa Bay and I gave you guys Tampa Bay to make the playoffs. I told you that they were going to finish ahead of the Red Sox and everybody cashed in. And before the year began, I told you all I am on Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay's got the bullpen. I think this kid Anderson is going to be a star in the bullpen. They do have, absolutely have the starting pitching. You, If you get Blake Snell right, oh, by the way, Charlie Morton might be the most underrated player in baseball right now. That one-two combination is just wow. And then you have the hitting, which I think is vastly underrated vastly underrated i think the raise at 21 is a live 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 play the brewers 35 to one i mentioned the brewers you know they got craig council who will help them win games and they do get streaky right josh Hader, of course great bullpen guy but do they have uh, enough on the starting rotation i'm just gonna say no and it's the same thing about the cubs at 18 to 1 you know the cubs at 18 to 1 or 18 to 1 because they're the cubs not because they're a good value The Cubs probably should be a 30-to-1 team, but the name the Chicago Cubs are attached to it. They're a fun team to root for. They're a fun team to jump behind. I worry about Craig Kimbrell. I worry about Wicks being the eighth-inning setup guy. I don't like their 8-9. Their starting rotation is deep, and this is another team that over a 162-game season, the Cubs are a dangerous team. In a truncated format like this, I think they get dinged up a little bit and I worry about that back end. I'll always worry about the back end of that bullpen. If you had the Cubs, you know, with reasonable odds, maybe, but 18 to 1 is ridiculous and it's the same thing with the Mets. I think the Mets have an opportunity. When you got Jacob deGrom going number 1 and that pitching staff is really good. I like their hitting it, you know, how do you not like Alonzo and Conforto? That yes. I understand what the Mets are. I understand that the Mets' back end of the bullpen could be devastatingly good if they recover from where they were. They have past issues, though, and those issues are not exactly distant memories. I worry about their back end at their bullpen, I worry about the pitchers outside of DeGrom being able to stay healthy. Their hitting is very young. Alonzo set the world on fire last year, okay, but he's still very young. Conforto can't stay on the field. He's still very young. Rosario is still a developing guy. I will not bet on a young, unproven team at eighteen to one odds. I think people are looking at the Mets as a dangerous team, and I've heard even from my Mets fans that are usually doom and gloom, even from Mets fan friends like ah. Anything could happen in 60 games. You're right. And when you have DeGrom, you are right. But you are betting on a lot of things. You're betting on a comeback from your closer. You're betting on your Ethaning guy. You're, you're betting on your young players being able to handle it. I, and, and you're betting on a, on a management and a coaching system that I just don't buy into. Sorry, I think the Mets are overrated at 18 to 1. How about the Phillies at 40 to 1? Guys, this is a team that has some attractive odds. This is a team that has some really attractive odds. Aaron Nola is an ace in this game. Yes, he had a struggling year last year, but his underlying peripherals say he's a number one. I like their back end. Back end of the bullpen's fine to me. You got a lot of star power around that team. The Phillies fell off the earth last year. Why? Because they played in a really tough division. The Mets were kind of a thorn. The Braves were a really good team. The Nats came streaking and won the World Series. I think 40 to 1 is a gift if you're looking for a long shot. Cardinals at 30 to 1, there's another one. You know, Cardinals at 30 to 1. I don't know if they have the pitching this year. Uh I still worry about Jordan Hicks coming back and a lot of things I worry about the Cardinals, but Listen, the Cardinals are always seemingly right there, and they have the talent to do it. Nationals at 20-1. to Well, a repeat doesn't seem likely, but if you have a a 1-2-3 like they have, why did the Nationals look so dangerous last year? Well, they look so dangerous because they had a 1-2-3 that said Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. That 1-2-3 is still there. Now, they still have back-end bullpen problems. They fix them momentarily during the playoffs. They still have those back end bullpen problems. Yeah, that's there. But they also lost Anthony Rendon. And while I think Trey Turner is an absolute stud in this league, and I think, uh, you know, a guy, I, 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 look, I think that that a guy like Soto can be the MVP. I, I get their ridiculous overflowing talent. At times, but they're still young. They they lost some talent, and losing Anthony Rendon is a knock. But at twenty to one, those are attractive odds. Red Sox at forty to one. Uh, I I do not like the Red Sox. I'm not banking on them here. Chris Sale is down. David Price is gone. They're in transition. Don't take a shot at them. Atlanta Braves twenty to one. A lot of people going to jump on this twenty to one. I don't really like it that much. I think again, you're in a very tough division and a very tough schedule. You're still a young team. I think the Braves are what the Braves are, who they are a very good regular season team that is just not built for the playoffs. And we've seen that the last couple of years. We have watched the last couple of years what happens to them. I like the moves that they made to shore up their bullpen, but I don't like the fact that they're still going with Melanson as they're closer instead of Will Smith. Will Smith is clearly the better player, clearly the better player. Uh, And... When you have a a worry like that, I assume that that would work itself out. And I was higher on Atlanta before this pandemic because of some problems that that I foresaw like that. Twenty to one, not enough to make me pull the trigger. Yankees, I got them at six to one. They're now three to one, and even two to one in some spots. Forty nine percent of all the money coming in from DraftKings is on the Yankees. That's crazy. That's crazy. I uh, I see no value in New York. I, I think that they win the World Series. I hope that they win the World Series. I think they have everything that you need. They have maybe the dominant closer in the league in Eroldis the Chapman. They have easily the best bullpen in baseball. Uh, you add Garrett Cole to that mix with a healthy Paxton who will now be healthy during that. I mean, they're they're just overwhelming talent from the hitting perspective and if you can get judge and stanton healthy oh my goodness I, it, it, their talent is overwhelming but three to one there's just no value and it's the same thing with the dodgers who were six to one as well now they're uh seven to two i wouldn't go on the dodgers dodgers showing that you know come playoff time they don't really perform that well i worry about kenley jansen a little bit but again you're doing shortened season shortened season with walker bueller and clayton Kershaw as a one two is a devastating duo. I just don't see the value there. If you're asking me right now who's the World Series teams, I guess I'm going Yankees-Dodgers, okay? But they had the chalk, and uh, there's no value. And then the Astros went from 5-1 to one to 12-1. to one. Well, they lost Eric Cole. That's going to take a really big problem <laughs> and put it on the team that they're probably going to have to face. I don't like the Astros. I'm not really going into why we don't like the Astros here, those cheating guys. Uh, we're not going to go into that, but I, no. So, there are some teams. Look, if you're looking for a long shot, the D-backs at 60 to 1, yeah, I guess you could throw some money on that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to throw money on the Padres at 30 to 1. That's not a team that I'm really looking at as as you know that dangerous dangerous team. Phillies at 40 to 1 would be my long shot option for you guys. I like the Phillies at 40 to 1. I like the fact that I think Aaron is going to step up in a short 60 game stint, Bryce Harper might go out of his mind, guys. So Phillies at 40 to 1 makes some sense. While the Cards are a constant pro team and they probably will make us all look silly uh, many times. I'm not going to throw any money on them. The Angels at 15 to 1 is just killing me that they're a 15 to 1 team. If this was 20 to 1, 25 to 1 or where they opened up, you know, 30 or 40 to 1, I'd be all over the Angels. At 15 to 1, I just don't see that being uh, an interesting bet. Man, if you could get 20 to 1 out there, 25 to 1, maybe maybe you go with them. The Nats at 20-to-1 make a lot of sense because of the 1-2-3. I think it's very difficult to repeat, number one. I think it's very difficult to lose your best offensive player in Anthony Rendon, number two. And I still worry about that bullpen. So I'm not going to take the Nationals at 20-to-1. The other team that I will be on is Tampa Bay at 20-to-1. So Tampa Bay 20-to-1, Philly 40-to-1 make the most sense. With that being said... I still think the Yankees are the team to beat in Major League Baseball. I still think that the Dodgers are very, very tough. And I'm trying to find an entrance angle for the Los Angeles Angels. You know, you got Trout and Otani healthy. I'm trying to find that entry angle. So if we're talking about straight sports betting here, guys, and that's what we're talking about, right? And we're talking about making some money on Major League Baseball. I'm taking the Yankees against the Dodgers. I, where we sit today, it's hard to go against the two chalks. It's hard to go against the two chalks. It really, really is, especially the big chalk, and that's the Yankees. And most of the world seems to be with me, uh, but I'll I'll keep my six to one ticket and and hang that up. Philly at forty to one is a good long shot, and Tampa Bay at twenty to one is dangerous. Again, they meet a lot of the criteria, and the criteria for shortened season. Good managers, yeah, both have that. Good bullpens, back-end bullpens, yeah, they both have that. Good veteran teams, and I know you don't look at Tampa Bay as being a veteran team, but they they have pros on that team. They're not going out there and throwing out rookies on the Tampa Bay Rays. Maybe they don't have a long track record, but they have two, three years, four years, and uh, Charlie Morton and Blake Snell really make that one-two combination. I wish Philly had a number two but they don't. But I feel good enough about Aaron Nola. That's where I sit with the Major League Baseball season. I am excited. I forget about all of the problems that might happen because, yeah, they might happen. You're right. They absolutely may happen. We may get delayed. We may have problems. We may have issues. But Major League Baseball has settled their (laughs) fistfight, their arm wrestle, we will get baseball this year. Don't let their dragging their feet negotiations take you away from enjoying the season and especially making money on the year. I said this at the top of the show, and I'm going to close out the show by saying this. Because there is a 60-game season, and everybody is collectively wondering how do we approach this season. Because of that, ladies and gentlemen, that gives you an advantage. That means that the sports books and the public will not be as adjusted this gives you a chance to make some money and i'm giving you the game plan to make some money on Major League Baseball. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call one 4 garden That's 1-855-442-7836. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at SportsGarden.com.